Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perception Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Partridge. Today I'm joined by ideation coach and founder of Think Different Nation, Ty Glover. After being labelled as learning disabled and consigned to a future of manual work, Ty describes how the spectre of imposter syndrome haunted him for years until he finally found the belief to create his own business, teaching people how to connect to their ideas and creativity. Ty also explains the theory behind NCP, or Neuro Creative Programming, and how Star Trek really does influence science. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Ty! Hello and welcome. Thank you for coming onto the program today. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. It's um, I'm very much so looking forward to the conversation. I know we've had a little bit of a pre-chat, which right. was really great. And as you right. said, we should have actually recorded some of those things. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I'm sure this will be as fantastic. So um, now you are an ideation coach. That's right. That is what you do. That is your title. Um, And uh, I would think that not many listeners probably are familiar with that term. I wasn't very familiar with Mm -hmm. ideation, although from the root of the word, I kind of was like, oh, well, it must be something to do with creation. Right. Um, But it would be great if you can tell us a little bit about uh, your work uh, your coaching work, the methodology methodologies that you use, because it's very right. much in the world of perception, rooted in the world of perception. Um, and what I'd like to do before you, mm-hmm. before we go down that path, is really, as I do with a lot of my guests, is to ask them how they got to this moment here. Mm-hmm. How did you get to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Just a simple answer. No. Yeah. How did you get how did you get to this to this point here with working as an ideation coach because I know you know a lot of people have stories that are very um yeah really diverse. Um so it'd be great if you could share with us with us right. yours. Yeah, it's um it's a great question. It's a long answer. It's a um but it's something that actually there's an ancient law of correspondence that says that nothing comes from nothing. And so in order for me to have developed the understandings that I have today, I had to go through a long journey. And some of those experiences really were the the key experiences that helped me to develop the understandings that I have today. You know, I remember back in, um, for example, fifth grade, I had a real pivotal um, situation that occurred. And I remember being in in the grade, and I remember the teacher saying that you've got to take a test because you didn't do well on the first one, and I and you were out the next day, and so I think you were sick. So I want you to take it again. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking I must have really done poorly on that test. So anyway, I take this test, and I don't hear anything more about it. But I find that I'm tracked, and I'm automatically heading to a certain type of a um, a process as far as my education is concerned. And it's not until I really get into ninth grade where someone tells me that it's a counselor in my high school, and I'm going down there for career advice. And he tells me, "Well, you should really consider a career in the trades, in the in the trades, because your IQ came back at ninety, which means that you're going to be better off in doing." activities and things that are aligned towards you using physical movement as opposed to thought and mind processing. 
Oh my God. Sorry, Ty, but just to check yeah. there, it was just like, I was like, what? what? So they decided at fifth grade to label you. And then four years later, you're told, you know, without any knowledge that you've been kind of labeled as, uh, well, okay, well, you know, this this person who has an IQ of X, Y, Z or whatever it is. Below average, right, right. Below average, that that you should then just not expect to achieve. That was the powerful mindset. It's amazing how that little score that you really don't think much about at the time as far as being in ninth grade, that it carries through. And so here I went on and I went on to college after starts and stops and starts and stops. As a matter of fact, I went through one stop where I was working for my father. I stopped going to, to um, college, working for my father, and I finally decided I'm going to give this up. I recognized I wasn't smart enough, at least based on the efforts I was putting in to make it through college because I really didn't know how to make it through college. Mm-hmm. How do you study? How do you think? I, I didn't really know the process of thinking. And it sounds like it's an intuitive thing, but it requires work. And here I'm living in Washington, D.C. with my aunt, and I'm going to clubs and working as a tractor-trailer driver again. And Mm -hmm. I'm listening to these people in these clubs my age with beautiful cars and with beautiful women. And I'm thinking their conversations are so so shallow. Mm. that I really started to recognize my value, the things that I think about as compared to the things that they are naturally inclined to have those conversations about, the sports, the other things about women, cars, whatever it was. They really weren't thinking about anything from the standpoint of try to advance where they were in their life. They were happy with where they were. And that summer, I went back to college. I finished up. I went and rolled directly back into grad school. And I finished up, I went into the career of, you know, consulting and working in corporate America. But the whole time, every time I moved from one step to the other, I recognize I'm not as smart as these other people, though. So that was, you still had this carry on, even oh, though you've course. gone through grad school, you still had oh, this, this label hanging around your neck, like. 74% of all people have imposter syndrome. And that was very strong with me because I was told through a test that I was less intelligent. And I also, in that specific area, that is, but I also recognized that I was inclined to go in other directions where I was very good and where mm-hmm. I noticed things that other people wouldn't have ever noticed. And we oftentimes think of ourselves as being the core of what everybody else sees. You see it my way. We can't really recognize what else is someone else is not seeing or seeing. And so, you know, it wasn't until I started recognizing that I have a particular way that in which I'm experiencing that I'm looking at things, that I'm taking mm-hmm. note of particular operations of forms and functions, and that starting to recognize how these things are becoming the key pieces of information or what Steve Jobs would refer to as dots. You know, Steve Jobs used used the expression of um, you can't connect the dots by looking forward. You've got to look backwards. Yeah. And he mentioned how he didn't know whether it was karma or fate or, or whatever. Well, my whole process of ideation teaches how to connect dots through all those different pieces of the whatevers. 
because it looks at the way we experience the world through our five basic senses, directly aligned with NLP, but instead of looking enter at the relationships that um, NLP allows you or has you examine, it looks outwards at the patterns that we move through within our lives. Everything we deal with is a pattern. The rituals we're involved mm-hmm. in, the you know maybe it's the sports games that we watch, it's the work that we go to, it's the way we take our showers. It's all in patterns. But with NCP, it it has you or supports you in being able to detect the anomalies. Normally, we move through differences that we're not used to. We move through them without any examination of them. But NCP teaches you how to identify the specific patterns that can become the raw materials for, again, all the ideas that you ever create just by examining, perceiving your experiences in a different way, in a more intuitive way. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. I said a lot. Okay. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's really great. I think what we need to do, though, is just because I was kind of like, we went from N- NLP to then right. NCP. But right. just can you just please clarify for people who um, maybe uh, haven't come across NLP, neuro linguistic programming? What yeah. can you just please outline that just yeah. uh, in its uh, in its sort of purest form? Great question. There was no background there. You know, NLP is something that's called neuro linguistics programming, not neuro. I think it's um, linguistics processing, which is what you mm-hmm. often find when you Google it. But neuro linguistics programming, and it was developed back in the late seventies by a gentleman, Richard. Bandler and John Grinder, yeah. but they created this logic and this understanding of a methodology that we experience the world through what we see, through what we can understand from what we saw, and what we what we can recall from what we had seen in the past, applied to hear, smell, taste, touch. And those are all of our experiences. And the interpretation that we have of those experiences determine how we feel at any given point in time. Now, when it comes to relationships, my interpretation of what you say to me, how you say it, and how I understand what you said has a direct impact on what I'm going to say in response. NLP allows you to recognize how you're taking that information and the neural, the linguistics is the how we're processing or what we're saying to ourselves about those words, about our interpretations. And then the programming is how we are going to respond as a result, whether I'm going to be happy and therefore um, move forward in a positive way, sad, negative, or whatever. It's how we experience and therefore record our reality. I use the logic of NLP from the Ah, standpoint of that experience and the perception but that's what allowed me to really get the understanding of the other side of NLP, which is, again, NLP is that the relationships that we have with ourselves and with others. Yeah. I look more so at a much bigger picture because I'm looking outward at how we experience everything else around us, our reality uh, in general, all the patterns that we move through within our, our daily life. Brilliant. And so that's the NCP, the neural creative programming, and the creative aspect has to do with the inputs, the dots that Steve Jobs spoke of when he when he created that that uh, expressive line. How do you use that with when you're working? You know, with indiv- uh, with the ideation with your clients. How does this? How does right. this work? 
everything operates according to a process, then it's a matter of helping the person to identify the processes that they are carrying out that they don't even know that they're carrying out any longer. But those are their sweet and special spots. Okay. So, so just for clarity there, so it's helping Mm -hmm. somebody identify unconscious behaviors. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. What I call their instinctive advantages. Okay. So you know, instinctive there are things that they are naturally inclined to do without even noticing them because just like driving a car, we don't know that we had to be taught how to drive the car. Everything's in automatic fashion at that point. Okay. But if you can begin to, but if you were to go to drive another device that wasn't a car, but that was similar but different, you would recall the experience of the car in order to deduce what would have to be happen based on this new structure. You have something from which to go on. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so so you'd use your, your past experience and your past knowledge to be able to help inform uh, the, the problem, I suppose, or whatever it is in the situation. Yeah. The situation to, to, uh, to, to decipher the current situation. Okay. Right. But I mean, for any idea that you're going to have, there has to be at least one situation that occurs. There has to be a challenge. There's two types. There's either negative challenges that we experience that that create our ideas. We have to find a way out of that particular situation. So we create solutions to that situation. Or there are positive challenges where we want to move to the next level of something, and therefore we strive and we think our way through to the next level of that something. So there's only the two types of challenges that we could be dealing with. Okay. You know, think about, it, for example, like the the uh, if you deal with a a cave bear situation where the clan is in the cave and the bear comes in and the bear goes and and kills someone and is attacking, the first thing the clan does is it minimizes the problem. So that's our natural human behavior to do so. It kills the bear. Mm. Once it's minimized the problem or minimized the situation, it moved towards the next idea maximizing the opportunity. You're not going to just throw the bear out. You're going to take the meat. You're going to cut it up. You're going to use the pelt or whatever, because you're maximizing taking advantage of the situation, however, which the situation presented itself. That's using ingenuity and creativity and drawing on our past experiences, past experiences to be able to move us into the future. And so, 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 and also, I suppose, to create new ideas. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, but it's all part of taking in inputs that we've had, experiences from the past. And I had mentioned, um, you know, multiple intelligences. We all have different intelligences, and therefore, the people with particular intelligences are going to take the inputs that they have from that experience. Okay. You know, maybe uh, maybe they have the teeth and therefore and the claws. They're going to be making the beads and the braces and so forth because that's their specific area of expertise. But the other ones are going to move into their specific specific expertise. Okay, so they may be the ones that want to cook the meat, right, or the exactly. ones that want to you know uh, make something out of the bones, right. or or you know or whatever it is right. so you're saying so these these specific differences that we have right um you said there were nine of them 
Well, so that would be an intelligence, meaning the way we think. And for example, I'd mentioned like the naturalist would be uh, one type of an intelligences. And it's the person who lives in the, the indigenous regions. Um, through epigenetics, through other things, they have learned how to understand their experience of being in the, um, in the jungle, in the Amazon. Yeah. That is their intelligence. You can't give them a mathematical test or give them certain questions or, or things to do because they wouldn't be able to do them because they don't have the foundational levels of knowledge of how to do that thing. Yeah, because their experience, their life experience is completely different. They their intelligence been, is different. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. They haven't been taught algebra, <laughs> you know. So as, you're right. Yeah. But I mean, that's it. And you're right. That's that's a specific structure that came from, um, you know, that's the European structure, the IQ test, the, the yes. way they want you to think in the test, the way they're testing rather. And an indigenous person wouldn't have had that construct of an experience from which they could draw to answer that test. Exactly. But if you said to an indigenous person, OK, go out into the forest and, and pick the mushrooms that aren't poisonous, they'd be able to, you know, they'd be the ones exactly. who are surviving because they are the ones who have the knowledge that has been passed down. Right. Okay, I yeah, see. and to that point, I think it also includes the epigenetic side of it, and and the way they went from from family to family across hundreds and thousands of years. And I mean, epigenetics definitely shows shows up in the DNA of a person. The experience of the people show up in the DNA of the person. Yeah, can we? What I'm saying in this situation. Yeah, can you expand on that? So, I mean, think, for example, of the um, of the slave situation and mm. the 400 years of slavery in the States, and you can detect or you can see the DNA within the strands of the African-American enslaved as part of that structure. Because if you think about this, every person has an experience, yeah. and the experience creates chemical reactions in the body because that's all we are anyway is chemical reactions mm. which show up in our dna strands and so you can see collective chemical composites within the dna strands based on experiences from people when you extrapolate them out across all those years the same as with the holocaust situation you know it's within us because it's a pattern that came down it's epigenetics mm -hmm. yeah well it's this it's interesting you say that because Essentially, they have shown that that uh, memories can be held in our DNA. Exactly. You know that that can be uh, that are that are genetically right. carried right. through generations. Um, so, is this generational, as you said, a generational uh, and uh, genetic issue? Isn't it really where if people have been if people have been traumatized, they're going to be carrying trauma. It's well, it's, I mean, it's written in our, it's a part of our past mm. and therefore it can't be written. It's, it's going to be there. It doesn't have to direct your future. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it is part of our past. Yeah. yeah. And so the recognition of that and therefore the recognition of how we may be as a particular people, like for example, the indigenous in the States may be programmed to respond to a particular thing like alcohol. Mm. and how it's more difficult for them to metastasize and therefore there's much higher rates of alcoholism in those communities. Those are, you know, those are epigenetic responses. Yeah. Yes. 
totally totally and it and it so then alters our perception because when people look at things on at face value oh well you know there's alcoholism in the uh, within the uh, native peoples oh that's because they you, you know that's the perception would be that's because they have a tendency to drink a lot you know rather than actually genetically not being able right. to as you say metastasize right. alcohol so it will affect them completely differently most definitely most definitely and therefore we plied them with alcohol <sighs> to affect them we we understood the impact it would have so but you know that's um i mean that's that's part of our the human experience yeah. You know, uh, and it's brought us to where we are. But with respect to how we perceive and how we understand, you know, we talked about there has to be a challenge in order to solve or create an idea. Now, you know, the next thing is how do we capture those experiences? You know, in any given situation, we have an opportunity to learn something new about that experience just yeah. by drilling down a little bit deeper into the detail of what we're seeing. But I, I think that in today's society, we move through our lives and we don't look at opportunities to, de to detect different patterns, like seeing things for when we walk into a room, seeing things on a wall that may be something different than you've ever seen before in your life. And then asking the question, what is that? How does that work? I, I wonder why they have it. What could it do for me? And then therefore you're capturing a a form, a function, possibly a process that you, you're capturing in your, in your subconscious mind and you're storing it away. And we recall those things later. Mm. But that's how that innovative person, that's how a person who is highly creative and whatever area of creativity that you're in, they notice an anomaly in something that they do, they drill deeper and give more attention to that anomaly. And then they build a library and an understanding of that anomaly, whatever across intelligence you you have, whether you're the chef and you're understanding a particular taste and the chemical reaction with this taste and that, or whether you're a painter and you're using textures and you're recognizing that you're getting a particular look that you like and you want to continue that forward. It's all about detecting an anomaly of where you are and what you're doing and then drilling deeper, understanding more, and then working to find out how it works, why it is there, and how can I use that? And then you'll use it later on in different applications, no matter what it is. Mm. It's funny because what you're saying there in a sort of scientific kind of way is that mm -hmm. actually that's how you're kind of explaining how creative people work. Exactly. It's like it's it's like you'll look at something and then that will spark an idea because it has, as you said, with Steve Jobs, it's it's. It's, it's connected with a dot in the past, which is connected with another dot, which then brings you to, you know, to to create another dot. And I think it's it's critical thinking as well. You know, yes. I, I yes. think and this is the thing, because currently in our society, unfortunately, um, we live in a world that's so saturated with distraction that a lot of people can't really be still enough to actually take in, absorb uh, what they're seeing. You know, that our minds are so split, our attention rather is so fractured 
that the very idea of taking something in, it's got to be really quick or otherwise it's, it's scroll past, scroll past, scroll past. Um, but it's yeah. true, isn't it? And, it, it and, is. and in that respect, it's, a, it's, you know, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on how, how can we direct our focus? How can, you know, how can we, how can we, um, you know, because I'm sure there must be so many people yeah. who are who don't bloody sleep. You know, who who are just you know constantly scrolling, constantly distracted, yeah. and can't focus. How how how? In, in your opinion, how would you? Yeah. yeah so we you can know, direct our focus. I get caught on occasion. Um, it's so invasive. Um, the feeds that we're getting, and I know I can turn it off probably, but you know, it's, it's right there in your face and, and the, the, whatever it is, is enticing. If it wasn't enticing, we wouldn't go there in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so it will pull you. Um, but that's also part of, you know, we talked about the hermetic laws and the first one is mentalism. It's uh, everything that exists. Yeah. exists well, the, the, just, just, just to uh, interject there, we, we, we mentioned before we, start this conversation in our pre-conversation we talked about the hermetic laws and if you can just outline sorry to interrupt you there but if you can just outline the uh a, a quick outline of the hermetic laws and yeah. then we're gonna say well without going into the specific laws itself there are seven that exist that were believed to have been conceived in the the beginning of, of the universe basically there were mm. laws that were given to man uh a one specific man that outlined our role and our place within this place in time um these rules were supposed to be seven in total that outlined the structure of the understanding of how we experience this life through, based on our five basic senses of sight sound smell touch and taste mm. and Understanding those rules in the context of, of how you operate is, is was is as important today, I believe, as it was for for uh, Newton to use those rules to transcribe those from Latin into English and to understand them, digest them, and then apply them to the three laws of motion. You know, they were direct mm -hmm. applications from his translation. So. If he considered them as so impactful, then surely we can focus our attention in better understanding, digesting them, and figuring out how that same reality applies specifically to us right here in our given lives. Yeah, but I think that well, this is the thing. They're not. We don't teach, you know, the laws no, of don't. No. hermetics in in school. Um, yeah. Laws the pity, unfortunately. Uh, you know, as people grow older, you can. Uh, access these because I think there's, uh, as I was saying earlier to you, you know, there's the there's a book, uh, the Cabalian, which outlines which outlines the um, the Hermetic laws. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so do you use you work with these seven laws of uh, seven yeah. ancient laws in your work, and how do you and how do you integrate that into your work directly? When you're yeah, so think with about uh, like for example, number two correspondence, and this is what we were talking about from the standpoint of yeah. creativity and all of our ideas. You know, there's that one law. It's it's correspondence, and it tells us that nothing comes from nothing. You know, my tagline for creative juices uh, is adding clarity to the obvious. Yeah. Um, so before also, just to for people to know, Creative Juices is your 
is your coaching business. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so adding clarity to the obviously, you know, looking at exam correspondence, nothing comes from nothing. In order to be able to have an understanding of anything, you've had to have had the experiences. Again, we talked about that. Now think about it like, for example, if we're talking about uh, calculus. Mm-hmm. In order to be able to understand how do you use calculus, how do you figure out a calculation, you have to have the understanding of geometry. Yeah. Before you can understand geometry, you have to have the understanding of algebra and mm-hmm. so forth. So it goes down, which means that fundamental understandings have to be there. Now, the key there is, and I mentioned paying attention to the detail, mm-hmm. understanding the details, not necessarily of just the form and function, but processes helps you to figure out what happened, how it was done, how it works. And once you understand that, then you can project that how you want it to work into the future, into any direction you would like to take it. That's that alchemical, a mental alchemical process. It's um, Again, the process of creation, but it's the process, but, but also it's the process of not just of creation, but of creating something new. Isn't it something? Yeah, exactly. exactly, But it's all through ideation. It's all through thought, directed, focused attention at a specific end because the ends reveal itself. We talked earlier about the Damien, which is a a, uh, Greek, um, it's a Greek God. It's part of ourselves, rather. It's not a God, but it's part of ourselves. We are the ideolome, which means we are the person, the self. And the Damien is the person that has lived all existences after us. Therefore, it knows all of our possibilities. But the Damien gives us certain clues as to here's the information that you need for the next step on where you're trying to go based on your destiny. And it's about listening and understanding and seeing what happened because the Damien reveals those things to you and gives you the guidance if you're paying attention to the factors that are playing out in front of you. That's looking in the past and projecting into the future. So, so you would say, as there, you called it the Damien, and I think I was saying earlier, I said it's like listening to your your higher self, exactly, and your exactly. voice of intuition, which exactly. is which is a really important thing, which I think we've slightly lost right. this uh, uh, to do with our gut. You know, right. it's yeah, when you get yeah. a feeling in your gut, go There's with it. There's a that. guy named uh, a writer, and I don't know whether you've heard his name, Engel Swan. Ooh, sounds familiar. Yeah, he's in the space. Well, he's passed, but he was in the space of telepathy, of clairvoyance, of um, he did basically across the board of extra sensory perception. And he worked for 20 years with the CIA on all these different projects related to psyops programs. And they paid a lot of money throughout those 20 years. And when the fall of the Soviet Union occurred, they stopped the funding. And all that dropped, at least, you know, that which we know have dropped. That's available right online. You can Google it uh, through the Freedom of Information Act, uh, Engels One. And so he spoke of, you know, of these factors and forces that direct and determine um, our fate versus our destiny with fate mm. being closed in, destiny being open, and you're able to direct where you want your destiny to go. And with energy versus force, with energy being potential, that you can express in any direction. Again, you want to go whereas force being the 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 things that materialize that rally around to push it into a positive or negative direction. So you would say force equates to 
uh, fate and energy equates to destiny? I would say, no, I would say that force, I would say that energy equates to potential. Yeah. It but can when you, be taken, and it's bound up, for example, in the electrical lines of a wire. Yeah, but when you when you spoke there, I'm talking sort of metaphysically. When you spoke there, and you said it was really interesting when you said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, destiny mm-hmm. is, and it's really Shakespearean as well. Actually, you know, there's right. a the, the, it, it made me think of there's a line in um, in Hamlet where. Uh, uh, I can't remember who says it, but they they say there's a divinity. It might be Hamlet himself. There's mm-hmm. there's a divinity that shapes our ends, rough hew them how we will. So we can we can, dis- despite what we do, mm-hmm. he called it divinity, and you just divinity. said, you said, is it destiny? Destiny, destiny right. is the thing right. that we don't have kind of control over, or is do that we, is, which is open ended. Which means yeah. we can execute control. We don't have, but we can execute control over our destiny. Fate is closed-ended, uh, and typically in um, translation from Latin into English, it became fatal. So it's closed-ended. Um, uh, energy. So it's the is, other way around. It's the other way around. I'm thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So and energy is the potential that we have control over, whereas force is the execution of that energy. Okay. Yeah. You know, so it, it's um I believe, and you had asked the question earlier, we were talking about directing energy. Um I believe in having that understanding of our ability to recognition of the fact that we do have energy. You know, we have about 357 to 75 calories of thought or of calories dedicated just to the brain, the operations and the thought. You know, so I believe it's a matter of also what we give our thought to. Yes. And when it comes about the dramas and all the other stuff that goes on in our life, I believe that if it doesn't add value to where you are trying to go, including family, friends, and everything else, I don't think about it. I don't give energy to it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I would agree with you there that actually it doesn't help to mm-hmm. put, place your thoughts on things that you can't change. Right. Also, right. it doesn't help you to kind of place your thoughts into uh an energy polarity whatever you want to call it where it's going to keep you in a particular vibration that won't allow you to ascend i suppose won't allow you to uh take in what you're seeing because if you're stuck if you're stuck seeing things in a particular way Mm -hmm. there's you are stuck you can't you can't open your mind and you can't, it's going to be really difficult for you to open your mind to see, to see things from a different perspective. Right. Once you're, if you're stuck somewhere and it's, and it's that thing of becoming unstuck, I suppose. And is that what you help people with the unsticking of, you know, understanding their process. Okay. We all have an individual process of how we express our creativity. And it's not speaking of how do I paint, Mm. but it's more so working with people who are very good at what they do. They know their, their specific spaces, 
But now they would like to understand how do you extrapolate that out across other areas of your life? Okay. Because it's recognizing really where the things that you are naturally inclined to do well, the processes associated with those, and then how those can be leveraged across your other different types of intelligences. So that, you know, a, a lot of the biggest picture of it is really creating what you want to create. Yay! Hallelujah! You know, yeah. it's really about that, providing people with the, the thought processes to go through to put out, I, I do what's called world building, where yeah. you're outlining, especially the, the way they used to do it, for example, in science fiction writing and the way they pull together um, these different types of concepts based on science fiction in order for NASA to be able to make deductions as to what people could experience when we actually get up there to the moon. You had to have someone imaginate through it. And so-, so with world, Explain that. Sorry, explain that. Okay, so what, what did what did NASA do? NASA so science often would I mean, excuse me, science will often go after science fiction writers because they think in a completely different way. But yet they take all these different pieces that would be substantially in theory real there and create the worlds that they write within their science fiction. So, and so science will have conversations, will read and understand those things, just like what Star Trek, how. So, so you're Robert. saying, so you're mm-hmm. saying, sorry to interrupt you there, but so no, you're saying that, that, so our science is actually mm-hmm. based in imagination. Most definitely. Everything. Science is based in imagination and creativity. And this, I think, is such a pivotal uh point because lots of people will say well well it's scientifically proven <laughs> you know that's their that's their catchphrase for everything so expand well, on that for me help me understand you know you know somebody might say well people have done research and it's and it's and it's kind of this has been xyz has been proven because people have done research and it's like well how did they get to that point how did they decide on what research to do you know how did they and again what you're saying i suppose they they followed the dots back Mm -hmm. but specifically what you were saying there with regards to nasa Mm -hmm. and space the final frontier uh to uh to quote star trek um uh, that is something i mean that that's quite mind-blowing in itself Really, yeah, this I idea. would say the scientists would be more the mathematical, logical, very great in that area. They're, they're very good at crunching the numbers. They're not as imaginative. I'd say the science fiction writers are the ones who are more spatial. Um, they mm. are. They have the mathematical, logical, probably not as strong, but they're definitely on the the visual aspects of it. On um, you could possibly even say existential and imagining mm. possibilities. You know, so they've got different intelligences, and so the science has to use imagination from people who imagine well in order to create for what they therefore verify to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it does make sense. But and it makes me really happy because I'm just like, yes, everything is rooted in our imagination and our imagination and everything actually is only limited by our imagination and our imagination is limitless. Well, I think about that this way, because that's important, you know, especially when it comes to hermetic ideas, hermetic beliefs, Mm. you know, um, 
all is in the mind. Therefore, everything exists, only exists within our mind because all we are is energy. Talking about hermetic law, talking about energy, talking about imagination, really laying out. I think this I think this really helps with shifting perceptions because this is what I want to do. You know, is yeah. shift people's perception about actually how we live our lives, how we think what the processes are are. the only ones to have control over how do you shift that perception perception because it's all within our minds you know yeah you've got direct control over that yeah and when you and and this again as i think when we spoke earlier when i was talking about Uh the fact that we are autonomous powerful beings that can create anything it's just accepting <laughs> and shifting that much as you did with your experience at school. You know, when you said you 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 had this one, you were stuck in one place of uh, uh, imagination or, or one place of kind of thought mm-hmm. that was creating a reality that you weren't aligned with. And then there was a catalyst, which was this observation of what was going on outside you, which then created a shift in thought and the shift in energy, which then changed your vibration, which then created this new reality for you. You know, you're mentioning that. I I think I'd mentioned the fact that um, I'm neurodivergent which means I don't okay. feel like other people feel. I, I don't, and oftentimes I don't know how to, to interpret an experience, uh, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to an interpersonal experience. Um, and I don't know how to handle a situation. Um, no one would notice it, but mm-hmm. it's an uncomfortable thing to experience. Um, I've just learned my way through it. But I also mm-hmm. know that I am less sensitive from the standpoint of the emotional aspects and the in the the things that happen in our lives, the lives and the deaths and all the other things that go forth. Now, um, that would be again line with polarity. Mm-hmm. Um, but within those laws, it also suggests that in fact, if you look at both ends of those different types of any emotion that we can have or any type of condition we can be in, if you can take those and all the positive ones and put them all around perpendicular to a semicircle and then continue on down and find the exact opposites. We exist, all of us as individuals, individualism at any given point along and any given dot at a different place than anyone else that exists, which means that um, the way I handle things and process emotionally, emotional things that you might process would be completely different. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and therefore, but people often look at you and make deductions as to how you should be handling something when, in fact, you know, there's one thing about grief just recently. I talked about how people need fewer, t- uh, less time to recover from grief than, than I don't know whether it was um, as than previously believed. Mm. You know, it was that mental process that we had to go through. But what I'm saying is when it comes to polarity, we're all on different ends of the spectrum. And I think, again, we assign people to a particular pace and you're supposed to operate, happen. And you even think I'm a bad person because I don't think that way. I don't feel the way they think Mm -hmm. I should think, you know, but that's a matter Mm -hmm. of also figuring out where you are and allowing yourself to be that individual that is that individual. That's really yeah, that's really important, and and a really, uh, yeah, a really uh, uh, poignant uh, 
line of thought, you know, when you when you talk about grief, because and also talking about your neurodiversity, because you hadn't mentioned it earlier, actually. Do you think that being neurodiverse, do you think that was also part of the labeling or part of your or part of your um like path at school of how you of how you learned? Do you think that had anything to do with your learning, or do you think that that was a separate issue? What do you, you know, do you think it had any influence at all? You know, it's um, there's a, there's a story about our birth when we come down and, and we're born and we come into ourselves. We come from the ethereal into our yeah. our physical form and how we're traveling through the planets and taking on the different attributes, the negative attributes of the planets as we're coming into ourselves, mm. and so. I don't know whether it has to do with just where I'm naturally inclined to be less sensitive, less inclined mm. to be, you know, feeling those things or, um, or whether it's the trauma that I had in my experience that made me more, should we say stoic when it comes to those types of experiences. But, um, but I, I definitely recognize that, that I, I don't feel sensitive in certain areas where other people would be highly emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the, and the hermetic beliefs would believe that, for example, with that polarity, you know, the person who experiences the high joys will also experience it deeply, the low falls. Yeah, the low lows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I'm envious of those people who really are able to experience the high experiences, but I'm grateful that I don't experience the low falls when it comes to being at that emotional state. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. which has allowed me going through my divorce and everything else, and even going through that drama of understanding that I'm less than this person, that person, that person, and um, moving well, through you, my career. I'm sorry. I was going to say your perception of that drama of being less well, of than course. that person. Yeah. But yeah. it's also, though, recognition of the fact that I was different. I thought differently mm. the way I processed the information. So I may not have been as good in a particular area. I had my skills mm. and other areas. But maybe not in those particular areas. And it's a matter of reconciling with that. You know, I mean, I've been through experiences through my 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 careers with colleges and then going into grad school and then going into my the first corporate job where I'm steadily working to build a skill set because this job is going to recognize me for an imposter, for a fake, and I'll get Mm -hmm. fired because of what I don't know. And then going in and pivoting to the next job as I'm still working on another business concept, everything that I was doing when it came to focusing on, or rather building through my career was really actually focusing on building my own business outside Mm. of that career. Because I always, A, wanted to go and build my own, but I also was always in fear of the fact that they're gonna realize that I'm not as smart as any of these other people. And I'm going to get fired. That mm-hmm. stayed with me, even though I got my bonuses and everything else and it went through and I digressed forward. But I wasn't great at what I did, but I also didn't give it the time that it would mm-hmm. have needed. And if I did, I, I could have done well. But nonetheless, I moved through with the constant fear. And it was only more recently I started recognizing um, you know, the fact that I was doing that because I wanted to create my own. I wasn't running away from that. I was really want, running to what I wanted to create. Mm. And so that's mm. why I'm here today. Wow. Woo! 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, you, you, to thy own self be true. Yeah, totally. Right. Completely to thine own self be true. Right. I think uh, I think that's another Hamlet quote, actually. But um, um, God, Ty, that's so wonderful. Thank you. I think that's a really great, actually, that's a really great, great place to, I think, finish also great. because um, that really is the crux of everything, to thine own self be true. But it's also, and yeah, it's find out who you are mm-hmm. and be true to yourself. And it's, and it's, and it's living authentically, being brave enough to be authentic, I think. Um, and if people, and thank you, first of all, thank you for this. Co- it has been mind expanding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, okay, say that again. Um, it's kind of, it's, kind of, you know, and, and earlier you mentioned, um, uh, uh, I think which we hadn't we talked about before, but it was about the um the use of the cannabis in your work. But we'll yeah. save that for another Beautiful. we'll save that for another uh, conversation. But um thank you. Thank you, thank, thank you, you for coming on and and sharing your experiences and also um and also your really uh fascinating wisdom and your views and how that ties into your work and if people want to work with you where can they find you what are your what your details what your online details no thank you my site is at thinkdifferentnation.com you can also find me on instagram at thinkdifferentnation um that's the primary areas yeah instagram linkedin thinkdifferentnation as well as facebook thinkdifferentnation okay perfect thinkdifferentnation that's fantastic thank you so much Uh, what i'll do is I'll put all of your details into the show notes Correct. and um, yeah, it was wonderful to speak to you today the and, and um, wonderful, beautiful listeners. Hello. Thank you so much. Lovely listeners for, um, for tuning into the perception podcast. Um, please, please, as I say, always like, follow, listen. Well, obviously listen, but like, follow, <laughs> Yeah. Listen, like, follow, share, subscribe. And um, I will speak to you next time on the Perception Podcast. Thank you. Bye.